You're listening to Modern Marketing, a podcast brought to you by Influicity. At Influicity, we build brand communities that drive revenue. Learn more at Influicity.com. On today's episode, Influicity CEO John Davids talks with Gaye Wan, Head of Marketing at Intuit Consumer Group Canada. All right, Gaye, welcome to the show. Why don't you share your first insight? Well, I think right now, marketers are very concerned with stretching their marketing dollars. And so I think my first insight would be just making sure that you've got your budgets lined up at the beginning of the year and look for those places, those unusual places where you could save money, combine things, consolidate, and also places where you could get a refund from performance previous years. A lot of times marketers forget to look at what happened last year and maybe there was some under delivery. Maybe there's a refund or a credit left on the table. So make sure to check those couch cushions. That's so funny. And I'm sure it, it helps a lot that you have experience both on the brand side and the agency side. So you know all the tricks of the trade of, of where to find those lost dollars. Yeah. You know, my experience on the agency side really did help me understand budgeting and how to make sure all those dollars are found, where to look, where you could get some credits from, you know, search, television. There's a lot of places where you end up with some credits because something didn't deliver. And so those become more and more important. So true. So true. So let's take a step back here. You are head of marketing at a large company, at a large group. When you're thinking at the beginning of the year, and we're talking now in July, so we're already halfway through. But when you're thinking at the beginning of the year or in the budgeting cycle, and you know that it's going to be a little more challenging because the economy's down and the inflation is rising and interest rates and businesses have all sorts of pressures and your customers are mostly businesses or, or, or consumers who are minding their money. Are you thinking in terms of let's wait and see and you're going to plan sort of as the year goes by? Or are you forced to kind of make a bunch of decisions well in advance? Yeah, that's a great question. We're actually in our our fiscal starts in August. So we're actually right in that time where we're planning. And so it's a really timely question for me too. But what I think about is trying to lock in those prices early and trying to make sure that we've got those longer term commitments, that really also makes a huge difference. Getting in early, getting a price locked in, especially when things are so volatile right now. We've seen inflationary costs of like upwards of 8%, which, you know, on a normal year, inflation is probably like three or 5%. But, you know, we're seeing a really high rate right now. And so we practice when times are a little bit leaner, I like to practice bottoms up planning So uh, that's basically throw everything out the window and add the things back in, in priority order that you need them in. And so it really does help you see at the end, you know, when you get to the, when you get to the last couple of things, you really can ask yourself, do I need this? Is this really vital to run the business? If it's not really a high priority and, you know, if it's something that really is high touch, maybe it's something that gets left off the plan or the budget. It's a good way when, times are a little bit leaner and you do need to make cuts, bottoms up planning is is a good method to employ. That's a great piece of advice. I've also heard that as like, I think it's called zero-based budgeting, budgeting for, from zero. And so on that note, so when you think about your most 
your sort of biggest workhorse channels? Like, what's the thing that you will hold on with an ironclad grip? And no, no, we're not going to let this go. What are those one or two things without offending all your vendors? Uh, just at a high level, what do you need today to succeed in marketing? It's a mix. And that's the thing. If you double down on just one channel, you're going to end up with a lot of frequency. So you need to make sure that there's a mix. You know, in no particular order, we find television works for us, but more as a video format. So not just television, but a video, I should say, out of home also. Since the pandemic ended, out of home has really provided a lot of mass awareness for us. And, you know, on a business like TurboTax, when it's very timely and people only want to be reminded of it when it's time to do your taxes, it's a really, it's a quick way to do that. And then digital is a mainstay for us, programmatic and all that acquisition really is important. And that includes social, that includes, you know, kind of word of mouth, all that kind of stuff that happens on digital. Again, also something that we can't give up. So I don't have a good answer for you because my answer is everything. <laughs> no, but it's a great answer. It's funny. The first two things you said, I was talking to the CMO at one of the big Canadian banks, and they were saying that television, and I think they said out of home as well, but television was like, and I said, why are you on television? No one talks about that as sort of like a yeah. bragging over on television. And she's like, because John, it works. It just can, it keeps delivering. And so yeah. it's funny that you say the two first things you said are television and out of home, and those actually deliver for you. Yeah. So we do MMM every year. For those people who don't know, that's marketing mix modeling. So people call it media mix modeling. And that tells us a bit more of a longer term story of what's going on and not just that short term, you know, performance acquisition story. And so we use MMM to really inform our longer term brand play. And that really is the thing that tells us television, out of home, drive huge, huge brand recognition. And, and you need that. Again, a business like ours, which is very cyclical, we don't necessarily talk to our customers in October and November all the time because nobody wants to hear about their taxes when it's Christmas. <laughs> so <laughs> it's something that you know we need to get big and out, out the gate real quickly with. Interesting. And then I'm assuming it's obviously search and social, the acquisition channels. Are you looking at... I mean, I'm guessing those are not for brand building or anything like that. You're really looking at the clicks and what kind of conversions are we getting here? It's interesting. Yes, we do. But we also, we do see search as a brand building channel in that people are looking for your brand. So there is some sort of brand recognition in order to get there. So it's an assist, if you will, if I'm using a sports analogy, you know, it's a bit of an assist to that brand building. And, you know, the thing with display and, and digital, I should say, as a whole, is that we actually use it throughout the funnel. So from the brand building of uh, influencers, of display ads, of video ads, we're very heavy into video. We've seen such success with that. Really does help build the brand and feed the funnel so that when we get someone at that acquisition stage, they've had that exposure to us in several places. They're familiar with us. And you know the conversion is much easier at that point. Yeah, for sure. And I'm imagining the television ads and the billboards obviously make people more likely to click on those ads when they see them in search yeah. or on social. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity. 
Since 2015, we've been building brand communities that drive revenue. First, we did it through influencers. Then we added podcasts. Today, we work with world-class brands to build, optimize, and run breakthrough programs that create and capture demand. It's time to stop renting your influence and start owning it. Learn more at Influicity.com. So let me ask you this. A lot of people talk about the problem, like the, the last-click mirage or last-click attribution. And we can see yeah. that search is doing so well because, yeah, people are only searching when they're ready to buy. Do you do anything to sort of ensure that you're that you are attributing to the right place, even though yeah. 80% are coming from, let's say, a search engine? It's such a great question. Coming from an agency background and having that kind of multi-channel discipline really helped me see that you can't just look at that last click. We have several different models. So like I said, we use MMM. We also have a, a multi-touch view. We also look at a first touch which is a bit of an interesting one. I never really loved a first touch, but you know, I got here and that's one of the models that we look at. And the reason we do that is because we can do a little bit of attribution based on, yes, you saw this or you've interacted, but then we also see what happens later on within our site. So people will come in, first touch, whatever they see and however they've come in, but it gives us a longer line it gives us a longer view into what our customers are interacting with. And, and it lets us see upwards of 30 days, which sometimes it takes people a couple of months to do their taxes, which <laughs> I know. Unfortunately. Um, unfortunately, it takes people a couple of months to do their taxes. And so we do have a better view into that because, you know, we are an e-commerce business. And so we can see what happens when people come onto our site and interact with our product, but also beforehand. So we use all sorts of different models. And the reason I say that is because I've worked for you know clients that just use last click or just use multi-touch and they don't get the full picture. And so I'm a big proponent of look at all of your attribution models, whether it's MMM, whether it's last click, first click, multi-touch. Don't just look at one because they all tell you a different story about what's performing and what's performing where too, right? So top of funnel versus kind of bottom of the funnel. It's so true. So I'll give you a little anecdote of that as well. We found at Influicity that we'll run regular webinars and community events. And if we follow up with somebody, let's say after they attended a webinar, we almost never get a response. Pretty much, we, you know, the response rate is less than 1%. Yeah. However, if we look at our clients over the last 12 months, almost every single company that becomes a client has attended at least one webinar. So it definitely works to convert, but you would never know it because it might happen three or four months later. And I'm guessing it's yeah. the same in most businesses. Someone clicks on an ad that they see on a search engine. Yeah, but they saw the billboard three months ago. That, that's why they yeah. clicked it. Yeah. And you'll never really know that. I mean, there's no real way to track that right now. I would love, love for somebody to come up with that, but there's no real way right now to, you know, kind of come up with a, a way to attribute, you know, that direct line. So that's why MMM is important because otherwise you would say, throw out the out of home, throw out the TV, right. throw out the radio, throw out the influencers because they're not driving direct conversions. But that's just simply not true. A hundred percent. So you spent years grinding your teeth at the agencies, and then you got into the into the brand world, working at a big bank, and of course now at Intuit. What kind of training, if anything, what kind of training do you think you got at the agencies that have been vital for you as now someone working on the client side? 
problem solving skills. There is nothing I can't work out, figure out, find the answer to. Agencies teach you how to be tenacious because you just got to deliver. And so it's actually a piece of advice I give to up and coming co-ops or, or, you know, students coming up. I always, I do some talks at various colleges and schools. And, you know, the one piece of advice I always tell the, the students is cut your teeth at an agency, learn how to multitask, learn how to problem solve, work on every client that the agency has. So you get that experience because you won't get that on the brand side. You work on one brand and you might have multiple segments, but you work on one brand. And so you don't get as much experience. And it's, it's really a lot harder to learn that tenacity and that problem-solving capability on the brand side. Any agency horror stories or big lessons that you learned that, that you can share with us? Agency horror story. You know, I had a really good time on the agency side. I actually loved it. You know, I spent over seven years at Zenith, which is a long time to spend at an agency. And I loved it. The one thing I would say is don't don't push yourself to give everything and leave it all on the table. Don't don't do twelve hour days. It's not yeah. worth it. That's one of the things that is a real struggle on the agency side is I don't want to say balance because it's not balance. It's about finding what works for you. And that's the one thing that I would say it is much easier on the brand side to have a life and to bring your whole self to work, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then where do you see, if we're talking in a year from now, where do you see your business and the general consumer sentiment? Because you work in a business where people are literally putting their money, they're organizing their money, they're paying for your product so they can uh, hopefully get, get a refund from the government. Do you think we're sort of in for rough times for the next year plus? Or do you think, do you see the economy getting better? I think there are two constants in life. And those are death and taxes. Uh, you got to file your taxes. I want to make sure that you have the best, most enjoyable experience filing your taxes. And to me, that's really leaning into AI and making sure that we are providing a fast, reliable, trustworthy experience to our customers. And so that's something I think we're going to deliver on. And so I have a lot of hope for what we're going to deliver in the future. And a year from now, I hope we're talking about how AI has really improved all of our products and how our lives have been made just a little bit easier because we don't have to stress about finding that last receipt or, you know, that last slip because everything's automated. Amazing. Well, I can't wait for it because it's going to save a lot of us a lot of headaches. Yeah. <laughs> Gai, thanks so much for joining today. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to Modern Marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity, empowering marketers to build customer communities that drive revenue. We create massive demand via social, influencer, content, paid media, and of course, podcast. Learn more at Influicity.com.